So, when you rise from the waters of baptism to the newness of life, having just become a new Christian, do you rise as a victim or as a volunteer? Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. It is the victim mentality that will look for excuses to get out of doing work for the Lord. Oh, that's too hard. Oh, that's too difficult. Oh, I don't have that skill. It is the volunteer mindset that will look for opportunities. The lesson is called, called to be holy. Set your hope. Ransomed exiles. Word of the Lord. So the first point, set your hope. Set your hope on the grace. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Recently, the town of Flagler promoted some softball games. They were fun. I had a good time. A little bit entertaining as well. Some were... I don't know why you laughed at that one. Some were disappointed, though, that the town didn't offer or allow alcohol at the games. Have you ever played or been around people uh, who were too tipsy to win? Maybe even ended up in a fight going on just because of too drinking, too much drinking? It's not pretty, so I find it interesting that Peter starts off by saying, be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. That's the first thing we think of when somebody is sober. They're not drunk. They're not intoxicated. They're focused. They have all their mentalities. So our minds are ready for action. We are sober-minded. How do you get ready for action? Is it to be tipsy in the world and intoxicated by the worldly life? Or is it to be sober-minded on the things of God? We have our wits about us. No pun intended, wit family. Now, you can go for the win through Jesus Christ. So the exiles are basically asked to have an in-it-to-win-it attitude. When the things are going rough, are you in it to win it? When it's not going your way, are you in it to win it? No distractions, no poor attitudes, because that never gets anybody everywhere, anywhere, does it? Because those around us in the world do not want us to succeed. Don't doubt me on that. They don't want us to succeed. But we need to be obedient children, as Peter says in chapter 1, verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of what? Of your former ignorance. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Kids can be the funniest people. They can be the funniest people, especially very, very young ones. I know as parents, you have many stories, and you've shared some. And to the dismay of my kids, I've shared some too. 
Connor, now a man in the military, was such a child who did things he wouldn't do now. When we were at Children's Home in Lubbock, Texas, I'm sure I've shared this one, he decided that spitting on people was a good thing. But the girls that we were taking care of in high school and junior high, and he was younger than that, didn't think it was so hilarious. So one of the girls, high school, decided, well, spit back. Whack, right? Got Connor in the face. Connor comes complaining. The girls come complaining because the girls are all together. How are the parents going to deal with this? Because we know they're not going to go in our favor. All these kids are removed from their houses. Nothing goes in their favor. So we asked, Connor, did you spit on the girls? No. The girl said, yes, he did three times. And then Connor turns around and says, I didn't do it three times. I did it twice. <laughs> Today, if Connor behaved like that, we would say he's falling back to his youthful passions. His former ignorance. As Christians, that former ignorance was our behavior before coming and growing in Christ. It's like a child that's spitting when he shouldn't spit anymore on people. That's former ignorance. That's ugly. We're to get rid of that ugliness. Because we are holy exiles. And exiles for us is not bad at all. 1 Peter chapter 1, 14 through 17. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for he is holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Common sense coaches and parents, maybe we're lacking of that word in today's society, I don't know, might laugh or giggle when their youngster does something comical like on the baseball field. You ever seen a little child hit the ball? Run, run, run. And where do they run? To the dugout. That's funny. That's hilarious. People laugh at that. They don't know any better. They're learning. No, no, don't go there. Go to the base. What's a base? But that behavior is frowned on in college. That behavior is not looked at as a, a winning streak. I'm going to run to the dugout. I hope you've learned a little bit more since that time. When you get to college level, mistakes need to go down, don't they? At least the awareness of things. New Christians can sometimes be like that youngster. Still dealing with childish and worldly behavior, cussing all the time, anger, worldliness. Still focus on the passions of their former ignorance and lifestyle, but that crowing Christian knows holiness in conduct is expected. 
that, that mouth that doesn't match God's holiness is usually going away like a college player giving up childish mistakes. You go to the college and act like a child like that in a sports team, you're not going to have a happy time. Well, what's the difference between that and a growing Christian? Has our behavior changed compared to when we first became a Christian? Or are we still acting the same? So Christians should be holy as God is holy, living real Christ-like conduct. The second point is ransomed exiles. God, your Father. And if you call on him as Father, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, who here, and you can raise your hand, thinks of God as your Father? I hope everybody does. Now, not all earthly dads are great examples of our heavenly dad. That's so hard when we study scripture. When God says things are to be done a certain way, but our household didn't do it that way, so we misunderstand scripture and we base it on our experience. So God teaches us how it should be. But if you've had a good one, a good dad, especially after growing up your own kids, right? How many of you said as teenagers, boy, my dad, he's got it all down. He knows it all. I love him completely and I'll do everything. No, I'm sure none of you did that. But then you get older. You start having kids. Then your kids get older and they start having kids. And you go, finally. Man, dad had a, he didn't do a bad job. He didn't do a bad job. Maybe after he's gone in, from this world, you go, now I know what he went through. This is not easy. Being like your dad is a thing you don't mind saying and striving for after this time frame, maybe. Good discipline. They're good love. Maybe they're good sense of humor. Do you mind calling God your father? Do you really want him to feel shame at your behavior? Or do you look up to him for his strength in mind, his strength in character, and his strength in love? This is our God. He is our Father. You see, our God, who is our Father, has always been there in our growth, even when we didn't think he was a good Father. So let's call him Father and be proud of it. But he's also your judge, as passage brings out. As Father, he also carries this judge aspect in our lives. 1 Peter 1.17, And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. All my kids have experienced fear, especially as they've gotten older. 
chances are their teenage hormones will lead them towards stupid. I have come to expect this. Parents need to parent correctly. The chances are dad's words of encouragement won't sound very encouraging, but extremely direct and even scary, especially to a child who's definitely done wrong and needs to be corrected. Now, I've proven my love by teaching them to fear doing wrong. Are they still going to do wrong? Yeah. Am I doing wrong? Yeah. But we shouldn't relish in it. We shouldn't say, let's go do more. Let's turn to the loving Father who says, you need to repent. I still love you. I for if you go down that path, it won't be pretty. You better be scared of that path. Let's turn. Let me show you what love is all about, and I'll forgive you. And God wants us to conduct ourselves correctly as well as the body, as individuals in the body, and as the body itself. Are we not His children? He will judge our behavior and correct us. This is not a bad thing. We need to respect Him and His correcting action. Remember, that doesn't mean we aren't loved. We are His even though we are outcasts in a, a world of ungodliness. Even though I was disciplined by my dad, it never means he didn't love me. You see, we were ransomed by the blood of Christ. Here's where the true love comes in, doesn't it? 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 through 19. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. A lamb under the law of Moses was precious for sacrifice if it was without blemish. It was good for ritual, for honoring God, and fellowship, fellowshipping God in banquet and with each other, those who are part of that sacrificial meal. But it couldn't truly take away our sins, could it? Can't. Let's put it that way. It couldn't fulfill the ransom needed, that buyback, for your sins and for your exile from the world. It is the blood of Christ that we received at immersion into Christ for the forgiveness of sins that makes us outcasts. When we choose Him, we choose to be outcasts. We choose to be exiles in a world that doesn't like him. That is from the world's point of view. Our ransom, which is Christ's blood, made us exiles. It made us outcasts. No wonder the world and its people seek to harm, including Satan. 
But we are called to be holy as he is holy. We're not victims when we choose Christ. We're volunteers to do his will. So the third point, the word of the Lord. Did you know it purified your souls? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. When something is purified or filtered or disinfected, you're more likely to think of it in higher terms, aren't you? I can touch that now, it's clean. It's more special. It might be even more expensive, depending on what it is. Well, guess what? When Jesus gets done with us, we have now become purified disinfected from the world's sin upon us. By obeying his truth to be born again. We are better. That doesn't sound like something we've done for ourselves, does it? Who purifies us? He purifies us. When we're born again. By our decision to obey the truth of Christ and his gospel, our souls will be purified. Purified. It is obedience to the gospel of Christ that purifies our souls. This purification helps us to be better lovers of people. As we talked about in class this morning, it also helps us to be better respecters of people. It should bring out our sincerity of love for the brethren because we're not victims anymore. We're volunteers. And I'm going to volunteer my life to loving you. I liken it to honey, since you guys know that I'm into the honey thing now. The world takes raw honey and pasteurizes it. So I'm flipping the analogy a little bit. Just work with me. But this process of pasteurization only harms the honey. The goodness of the honey's nature. The world encourages sin. It pasteurizes our intended nature. It roasts us in the heat of sin and takes away our intended goodness. But raw honey has all the taste and nature of God's original intent. See, when we're born again, by being immersed into Christ, it's a good thing. It's a purification of our souls brought out by the obedience of following the Word of God. 
First Peter chapter 1, 22 through 23. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been, what? Born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. This connection to Christ brings purification of our souls. It brings us into exile status in this world. It brings us into outcast status in this world. And we learn this truth by living and abiding word of God. Where do we get our teaching? Or should? Here. God's truth through Jesus Christ. Peter also says this, and this comes out of 1 Peter 3, 21. Peter also says baptism or immersion, which corresponds to this, referring back to Noah and the discussion there, now saves you. Not as a removal from dirt from the body. You see, the Jews under the law of Moses, ritualization was very important. They had their ceremonial washing pans. They had all that stuff. And what did it do? Did it take away their spiritual sins? It cleansed them physically. It made them ritually holy. But our connection to God is not a ritual thing. Now saves you, not as a removal of dirt, not as a ritual for ritual purposes, we don't do it after the fact for ritual purposes. But as an appeal, an appeal, when I'm in trouble, maybe with the law or with my spouse, and I've known I've done wrong, what am I doing? I'm on my knees and I'm appealing for mercy. I'm appealing for love. I'm appealing for an intended desire to be a part of something that I lost. What are we doing? We're appealing to God then, not as a ritual, an entreaty, a plea for a good conscience. And if you go into Hebrews and you study the concept of conscience, it's not about knowing what or right or wrong. It has the idea of boldness, being able to come before the throne of God in prayer and acknowledgement as family. Through the resurrection, through what? Through because I'm good enough? Because I did the work? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I have become purified. I have become purified by my, my soul. The seed we come from, going back to chapter 1, is not the seed of man to make a baby. It's not physical heritage. It is the seed that only comes spiritually through Jesus Christ. Christ is the means. Christ is the beginning for us. Talking about our beginning when we are born again into Christ. It is imperishable. I won't die spiritually in Christ, will I? 
We will not die if we are connected by the living and abiding word of God. The world is perishable, but God's truth and Christ's beginning process that purified us is imperishable. There is good news power here, folks. There is good news power. So Peter quotes the famous passage in Isaiah 40, and he says so in verse 24 and 25 of chapter 1. All flesh is like grass, all flowers, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flowers fades, but the word of the Lord stays forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. What was the definition of preach the kids learned? God's word being said. A good coach wants to enhance his individuals and the team. In my opinion, he also cares about the individuals off the field or the court or the mat. A good preacher, a good elder, or any healthy Christian person does the same thing. I've met certain coaches and parents who only care about the star athlete. They only care about the one who's going to take them to the finals. All others don't get mentioned or attention. They can only see the star now instead of the potential in the future so they can help the now gifted only. What if the preacher or elder did that? Or any member for that matter. What if baptism into Christ was only for those deemed gifted? Oh, that sounds horrible. What if it was only considered a ritual? What if we taught a person was saved before immersion into Christ and told them they must ritualize it after the fact? Then I am not teaching what brings connected to Christ. I have become my own judge. Telling God what is right and what is wrong. But the reality is all people are worthy of this good news. Every one of us. The good news plants that imperishable seed. When a person is obedient to God's will, you are called to be holy for God is holy. Peter sure knows how to write God's word, doesn't he? And where did he get it? God. The lesson is called, called to be holy. Set your hope. Where's your hope? Let it be in the blood of Christ and his word. Ransomed exiles. God is your father and your judge. We choose Christ and not this world. The word of the Lord. Listen to the good news power and be born again spiritually if there's anybody who has any needs this morning the lesson is yours please come forward now as together we stand and sing